everyone. Welcome to the Bored and Bitchy Podcast, the place where we love to talk about all the mess that is 90 Day Fiance, Happily Ever After Season 7. Yes, or should we say Happily Ever After? Since there is that question mark at the end, and I question it myself. That is a lot more accurate. It is Happily Ever After? Hi, y'all. I'm Kat, and I don't know why I hesitate doing this, because I feel like I'm betraying my home state, but I'm an Arizonan now, Arizona girl by way of California. And my warning for y'all is that we drop profanity from time to time. It's guaranteed. You've been warned. Let's get into this new Happily Ever After. Yes, and before we start to cover, you know, my usual PSAs that we've been doing for the last few weeks, so apologies in advance, but I'm back on my fuck shit, so I'm glad uh, Kat gave you that warning. But this time I had a valid excuse, y'all. I just got back from a beautiful week-long trip to Italy for a wedding, so because of that, we did not have an uh, we did not record an episode last week. So in this episode, we will re- be recapping episodes one and two of the new season. Let's go, Kat. I don't have any time to waste. Um, except that I will call you out. And like, is that really a valid <laughs> reason? Because you were off in Italy, it- Italian beaches, having a blast, me envying you on IG. But yeah, sure. All right, let's get into it. Yeah, let's um, get into it. We're wasting <laughs> people's time and people want listen. to know what you think about Usman and Kimba. Listen, well, actually, my first thought, and I'll get back to them, was, are we still doing this? Another question, and that was for Jenny and Submit. Let's get into to Kimba, and um, what was his name? King of Africa? Soldier uh, Boy, King of Africa, King of Africa. a.k.a. Yep. Mr. X, Baby Girl, B- BGL. A.k.a. Mr. I might kiss you in public now that you've whitened your teeth. I guess the same question that I had for Jenny and Summit applies here. Are we still doing this? And this is more directed at Kim. Kim, Kim, girl, did you not watch that season back? Did you not have some time to reflect like you are still doing this and not just doing this, but now you're planning on moving further? You're going to propose to the man. You're going to go back and meet the family and try to get their approval and flash your new pearly whites and propose. You sound like her son, who is very attractive and wise. I will say, Kimba, listen to your handsome, level-headed son. Will you please? Yeah, this is a hot-ass mess because the last we saw Kimba, she was super fan slash potential girlfriend in training, or I guess like he, she was on probation or something auditioning for the role she was also like (laughs) she was like head I want to say like PA on his shoot in Zanzibar Mm -hmm. and she was also kind of second fiddle to mystery lady Zara who got her own song you would think all of that like him not wanting like remember she had to beg him for the yam yam as you remember Oh, God, I'm so embarrassed. I cringe. I'm so embarrassed for her. Yes, I remember. You're embarrassed. Remember poor Jamal when she called him crying like he won't give me the yam? (laughs) Mom, (laughs) you're aware I am your child. But anyways, so now flash forward. Kimba says that things have been great. I think she's gone back. Oh, this is what I thought was rich. We start their segment by finding out that after all of that drama, she went back to Africa because Usman wanted to make things right. And they had an incredible trip. No fighting. All love. There was no begging for yam. It was just all good. And I'm like, of course, everything was perfect. So we're meant to believe this trip was idyllic when the cameras weren't around. But when the cameras are around, all of a sudden, like, it's nine days fault that it all goes to shit. But anyways, now she's planning a third trip back to Nigeria. And like you said... Not only that, she's planning on proposing. And I'm like, girl, can you slow down? Because when she met up with her friends during the first episode, they had some very valid questions about, you know, how Usman has expressed that he wants a child and how he'll need to have a second wife to do that. And Kimberly got so defensive. And I'm like, girl, if you can't even answer questions about being in a, a relationship where you have a second sister or you have a sister wife, you're not ready to be a sister wife. Exactly. And her, she was just so 
up in arms over the friends like they're hating you know i don't question them and it's like girl they are your friends just like they told you they have your best intention they're not just gonna be like yeah bitch that sounds like a great plan and like let you go down your own fucking spiral um two things that i want to know is like can we hear from zara like are she and uzman totally done communicating because i don't believe that they are and second and this was rich for someone who is a mom and i'm not talking about myself i'm talking about kimberly like kimba is a mom but she had the nerve to be like yes he can have a second wife and a child and i will bring him to the u.s but no child of his that was mothered by someone else will be coming to the u.s and it's like really yeah it was gross and again i'm like Kimberly is willfully delusional because she is thinking that if she like she knows that in order to get with Usman and marry him, she has to agree to a second wife because of her age. She cannot give him a child, which is one of his stipulations. But she thinks that she can have this weird setup where he's going to literally just marry a woman. She's get her pregnant. And then this woman's going to be like live tucked away in some other continent where there'll be no contact between the wives. Usman's going to like leave his child behind. Like, and she doesn't have to like think about them. There's no, she's like, basically like this woman is just there to bear a child, but he's going to have no relationship with Usman. Honey, you're talking about a surrogate, not a second wife. That's not how it works. That's not what's going to happen. And yeah, I'm just confused how Kimberly thinks that that's possible. Well, you said she's willfully, <laughs> would you say ignorant, in denial, delusional, all of the above? Um, that's a very weird setup. Another weird setup is Ed and Liz, because I really think that both of these people are opportunistic. Like, whatever you can do to get in front of the cameras, they, I don't know that at their core they're bad people, but they're bad for each other. I think Ed and Liz is one of those interesting couples where it's not so toxic where you're like, okay, someone needs to get away from this relationship because it's abusive and, you know, it's going to ruin them or whatever. It's not to that level. But then we also know it's just kind of gross and not a good match. So it's like that little in between when you're like, mm. I guess like they're two consenting adults and this is know. this is really happening. I don't know. Like you said, they're both opportunistic in a way because... I don't believe that Ed would be with Liz if she wasn't much younger than him and obviously more attractive. And I don't believe that Liz would be with Ed if he wasn't on a hit international TV show. But that being said, if they are happy with this setup, you know, eight breakups later, clearly they are committed to this sham. I guess, but I do worry for her child. Like, what is her child experiencing? What is her child being told through all these back and forths? And you know what? Why hear from me when you can hear from Richard and Ed's mom who are meeting in the park after dark like, to talk about well, how much they hate Liz? Well, Richard is not meeting the mom in the park. That He <laughs> saves that the dark park for his meetings with Ed. And I love that Ed was like, why are we meeting here? Are we doing a drug <laughs> transaction? Like, what? What's happening? I um, just assumed it was the same bench where he would meet Ed's mom to talk shit about Liz. Ed's mom is like 80. She He's meeting her at her house. She who else should be doing a drug deal but an 80-year-old woman who would never be suspected? I mean, that is true. She would be the perfect mule for these drugs. But um, odd, odd, odd. I mean, everything about Richard was so confusing to me because, again, I'm not an Ed fan. I'm not a Liz fan. I don't think this is a great relationship. I also don't think it's the worst relationship in the world. I am very, you know, down the middle, could care less about these two other than I appreciate that they are on TV and entertaining us. Richard has taken this so personally where he's like, stop talking to Ed because they got back together and got engaged. Not only is not talking to Ed, apparently he's poisoning other friends against Ed and Liz and now speaking to Ed's mom daily about this thing. Kat, how would you feel if one of your friends stops talking to you, but then is daily communication with your mother? Maybe he's optimistic too. Maybe he's like, whatever I got to do to stay on the show. Because I think he had like a few minutes when we first met Ed, he was like the friend that came over and was like, are you sure about this Rose girl? He's trying to find a way to stay relevant. 
Yeah, he was too invested. And I love that at one point, Ed is like, you know what, you need to, like, I'm with Liz, we're engaged. So you either need to accept it, and we can move forward and be friends. Or if you don't accept it, we won't be friends. And he was like, you're giving me an ultimatum. I'm like, well, what's the other? So you just want your ultimatum is don't be with Liz and be my, my friend or be with Liz. And we're not friends. Like either way, one of you has to give in. And I just don't understand. Like, yeah, Liz is probably just there for the fame, but so is Ed. So who cares? Yeah. Like go to the yeah. tequila tasting. Oh, sorry. Can I just, I mm. thought about, it was so funny that Ed said that he was, his most important things for a space for their engagement party is a place that's like beautiful and blah, blah, blah. But then the other thing was excellent Merlot. And then he picks a Mexican restaurant and I'm like, I don't know if you go to a Mexican (laughs) restaurant. You know, Mexican restaurants are renowned for their Merlot. (laughs) The Merlot. (laughs) Well, you know what? Since we're on the topic of alcohol, let's take this over to Yara and Jovi because Girl, I don't I don't know what to make of this. Like I struggle with Jovi. I really do. And listen, I get I get what it is to become a parent and to feel like your life is turned upside down and um you know, you want to go and have some semblance of what you had before when you were able to be free. But I think this man just wants to be out there partying and drinking. Like, I think it's less about spending time with Yara and more about him just getting back out to the strip clubs. Yeah, I think he would like to have both, to be honest. I think in a perfect world, he'd like Yara would have picked an apartment that was like strip club adjacent. So he could just (laughs) stumble into the strip club and then stumble back for a nice little morning with Yara and Myla. And he's pissed that now he's got to pay for like a two hour cab to get to the strip club. And so instead, he just has to be home. I am happy that Yara has friends. I I actually feel like Jovi's probably supportive of Yara having friends. To me, this seems like a producer setup for like a couple is probably not having that many issues, to be honest. But if I'm choosing to believe this, then yes, Jovi's having a hard time adjusting going from being a VIP member of the strip club with like... (laughs) You know, what, what was it? He would go there and have his like daily lunch or something to now something. <laughs> to now he's just like, you know, occasionally having the boys night. And it's kind of jealous that Yara has friends to go out and do her own thing. But Yara reminds him me going out with my friends is like me having a cocktail too. you going out with your friends is getting shit faced till 7 a.m. and going to the champagne room and maxing out a credit card. Well, and the thing is that, like, I, it's hard to hear Jovi talk about a couple things related to Yara going out. It's hard to hear him refer to his time with Myla as babysitting. You're not the babysitter when you're the parent. You are parenting. Mm-hmm. It's hard to hear him complain that she she goes out until all hours of the night when he was infamous for, you know, crawling home oh. at 6 a.m. Um, and it's it's also hard to hear him talk about she wants to go out and she wants to go out when we saw him partying nonstop while she was still pregnant and like not able to party herself and it was also really fucked up that like I get if he was just saying the point of like go out and have fun with your friends but I do you know I only have a month here so I do want us to spend time together the three of us like that makes sense but don't guilt this girl Forget, like it was such mom shaming to be like, okay, you go out and get drunk with those girls while your daughter stays here and then we'll be here playing while you go out. And it's like, I know, Jovi, everyone, including you, deserves a night off. And yes, you they have a very interesting setup that does put a lot of burden on both of them. But yeah, Yara is home for an entire month by herself, pretty yep. isolated, away from her family, taking care of your daughter. 24 7 so she wants to have one night to blow off some steam that she shouldn't be shamed for it and she's being shamed as she's already ready to go about to walk out the door makeup done like that's a shitty way to leave um but what did you think of her friends okay so when jovi was talking shit about the friends i was like come on jovi they can't be all that bad and i met <laughs> them and i was like you know jovi i think i, I don't know that i like these friends either <laughs> Well, one of them in particular was coming off real strong. Like, she is vying for that pillow talk scene. 
she is vying for a single Yara who can go out all the time. Um, talking about, you know, she could have anyone she wants and Jovi's just not that attractive. <laughs> Which is so quickly on that. Did you catch that in the recap? Yara talked about how when she met Jovi, he was hot and compared his body to that of Cristiano Ronaldo or Christian Ronaldo. Yes, I did. And I love how they overlaid that with old pictures of Jovi, which don't get me wrong. Jovi is not an unattractive guy. He was like, you know, and you know, he was in good shape. But I'm like, has Yara ever seen Christian Ronaldo? Because... (laughs) No, honey, no. Uh, no. No. No, honey, no. Did you mean Christian Ronald, the guy from down the street? But anyway, okay. Talking Did about you mean body. Ronald from that season with Tanya? Ronald? Ronald? <laughs> no. But so, okay, talking about bodies and body shaming. Um, I, I could not believe when Yara told the friends that, like, Jovi is contributing to her insecurities on her boobs that Jovi was the one saying they didn't look good anymore and I at that time was in disbelief not because I couldn't believe that Jovi would say that because I really could believe he'd say that but just like disbelief that someone could do that to their partner period but then it was interesting because when we hit the winery it seemed like Jovi was doing his best which wasn't that great (laughs) but was doing his best to let Yara know that her boobs are fine yeah, I mean, in his words, he's like, yeah, they're not what they used to be. And there's definitely better. They're, they're not the worst tits I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of tits. Did you, did, you oh, remind, did you remind you that I am a gold star member of various scribbles? <laughs> but yeah, he was just kind of like, I oh like them. I like, I like having sex with them and you and it's fine. Like, yeah, he wasn't super enthused. But to me, you're right. When she had the conversation with the friends, it seemed very... Jovi motivated not just Jovi she obviously said she's self-conscious but she did Mm -hmm. kind of pin some of the criticism on Jovi which I was like oh my god I can't believe he said that to her and then when we're at the winery it does seem like did he actually say that to her because he Mm -hmm. seemed like to be doing a lot of acrobatics to make sure that he wasn't like yeah they've (laughs) seen better days seen better days like I would like it would be great if you could get them done this seems like it's more Yara feels self-conscious and obviously I'm not going to hate on her for that she has every right right to feel good about her body and if that means you know getting a little lift a little whatever she wants to do whatever you gotta do girl that's on her but yeah it did seem like then don't say it was your spouse who was like you got pepperoni titties and like (laughs) (laughs) well also don't say that to your hating ass new friend who's like oh you mean your ugly husband who's way out of like you're way out of his league and you could get any man you want and that's why he's so nervous about you going up and I'm like hi Yara I wonder how why Jovi doesn't like these friends baffled also I don't think I can get pepperoni to like the, just the the visuals that were painted in that description pretty disturbing um quick thoughts on Yara's relationship with Jovi's mom and and Jovi's relationship Jovi, with Mrs. Yeah. Gwen. This makes me super sad because Miss Gwen was one of our standout moms. You know, yes. every few seasons we get a few moms that we really like, like Tara Down uh, Terry. Like Miss Gwen seemed really level headed. She was checking Jovi. She was really supportive of Yara. Yes. So this actually was really shocking to me. And I feel at least from what we've heard, it seems like Jovi fucked this up. It's oh yeah. Like Yara was expressing to Jovi that she felt unsupportive because she expected Miss Gwen to be more present when Jovi wasn't around to not only babysit but just support, like knowing that Yara doesn't have family there. And Jovi then confronted his mom and somehow that turned into a big fight. I just to me what's really confusing is I don't know why that would stop Yara from talking to Ms. Gwen. Because if I, if what the situation as it's described, if Jovi told me, oh, yeah, I got in a fight with my mom because, you know, I confronted her about this. I would just call up Ms. Gwen and be like, Ms. Gwen, I think there's been a misunderstanding. Like, I love you. I want you to, if anything, the issue is I just want you to be more involved in our lives. You know, like, that's, yeah, let's clear the air. Exactly. And even then, like the catalyst behind this was this idea that she would only go visit them during the month that Jovi was off of work, which in of itself was surprising to me because she was so involved and helpful with Yara and baby Myla. 
And I mean, maybe it's true. Maybe it is. I'm not saying it's not. But just the whole thing, I, I couldn't tell if it was like producer-induced or producer-produced um, or if it was genuine. Yeah, and like you said, I, we saw in the past or past season that Miss Gwen was there for Yara when mm-hmm. Jovi was at work. Um, I know they they live in a different location now, and I think Jovi mentioned that it's like a three-hour drive for his mom to see Yara, so that could be a factor. You know, she's not going to be there as frequently. Yeah. It just seems to me that, like, this should not have gone as far as for them to not speak for six months. So I feel like there has to be something deeper that we're not knowing. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of uh, deep or depth, what are your thoughts on Bilal, Shada, and Shahida? Kat, I am going to reserve speaking to you tonight <laughs> or telling you my thoughts because if I say anything, I might say something I regret because I am so angry at you for sitting there and allowing you allowing you allowing my ex-wife to go off on you how dare you (laughs) (laughs) who do you think you are girl this conversation went all the way sideways or or it went south side according to shahida and letting her true colors come out but like it really didn't need to go this far i think part of it was there was some wrongdoing (sighs) albeit with good intention, when Shahida originally went to go speak to Shida, right? I think yeah, she approached Shahida. She was Shahida. out of line. We she was out of line. She did. There was good intention in that, like, she was looking out for her kids, but it was still, it was not her place. She was out of line, right? But then that evolved into Shida later describing situation as, Shahida ranting and raving at her full of rage in her kitchen I don't remember lots of rage and ranting and raving I know it was like if that's ranting and raving and foolish rage I don't think me and Shida should hang out because she will be very distressed I also am now nervous for Shida to be on a reunion stage with Nima Angela later this season because I was like you want to see ranting and raving and raging Girl. You, you about to see it. Yup. And so here, and then so when Shahida started to defend herself, I thought she was being fairly calm. Okay, granted, this is when she started to defend herself. That's when Shahida was like, "See, your anger is out of control." <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what really set Shahida up is that Shahida was like, "You know what? I'm not going to be bullied," and she was like, "I'm going to leave." And when she got up, then that's where like Shahida, his ex-wife, like flipped a switch or something and that's why I was like whoa I went from like kind of understanding your side that the words like the adjectives that she was using were incorrect but now you you don't have to get all south side on her in her self-proclaimed south side like she was basically threatening her I didn't appreciate the like Bilal get her like what Bilal's not anybody's keeper you know we are all our own individuals you are now getting aggressive you are I disagree with you on that but yeah sorry go ahead (laughs) Um, and yeah, it, it was just, it was weird. Like the switch of like, well, basically like threatening her and she's like, you don't know me and I'm going to jump across this table. And I'm like, you just kind of proved her inaccurate point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know what kind of like holy powers does Shida have that she's like, you're ranting and raving. And all of a sudden Shahida was compelled to <laughs> rant and rave. Oh, uh, well, I mean, I guess my, I, I, I'm shocked at that turn of events, and I do feel like neither one of them was a bigger person at the beginning. I think the mm. ex-wife blew it way out of control. The ex-wife should have showed up there with an open heart. When she heard Shida, I would have been like, I disagree with you. I wasn't full of rage, ranting, or raving. But you know what? I apologize for having that conversation with you if it like hurt your feelings because it wasn't my place. It was between you and Bilal, and I hope we can move forward. Because we have to be in each other's lives because, you know, we share kids. That's all that needed to be said. You know, that's it. Well, and Bilal was like, why don't we bring in the big guy? Let's let's bring Allah into this. Let me say a little prayer and hopefully simmer the situation down. It did not work. He should have prayed a little longer. But then he went from like praying, like one, not defending Shida or not defending either of them. Like you think he would have stood up and be like, all right, let's cool it. Like everyone back to their corners. Let's disagree to disagree and move forward. He didn't kind of step in at all. And then weirdly, he's ignoring Shida afterwards and tells the producers that 
he doesn't want to say something he's going to regret. And I'm like, why are you mad at Shida? If anything, I feel like you should mm. be mad at your ex-wife. Mm. You know, and then the the very first, like, in their intro, which was interesting because also, like, we just got them on this previous episode. We don't need a whole recap. Um Shida was over here talking about, like, you know, whatever happens between me and Shahida, like, it's not my problem. It's going to be your problem. And I was like, Shida, girl, like, come on now. Maybe she was trying to implore Bilal to be more involved in, like, the problem as a whole. Yeah, you're right. He could be mad at her for that because, yeah, girl, you married someone who has a baby mama and kids. So, actually, his problem is baby mama is also your problem. Yeah, exactly. But, girl... Let's talk about Libby and Andre, because I really thought that this couple was going to be a couple that I was like, snooze on, you know, I don't need any more of their bullshit. But, like, I get drawn back into this fucking train wreck every single time. What is it that is pulling you in? Is it the (laughs) inward Charlie uh, enabling versus Charlie is a problem uh, debate? Or is it... (laughs) the mystery behind Libby's possibly melodic uh, (laughs) nursery songs. Uh, C, none of the above. (laughs) I think it may be a combination of watching Andre and fucking hating on him, but also watching him and like, I don't know if I'm laughing with him or at him. I don't know. This man is a brute force of nature. (laughs) Literally brute force. Literally. <laughs> yeah, girl. So um, the the recap here is like Libby and Andre finally bought their own house, which yay, congrats to them. It's um, beautiful. It's beautiful. There's a, a housewarming party. Um, the housewarming party, you know, I was thinking was going to be family. And apparently the family was thinking that too. But no, please welcome um, John Smith Esquire and, and immigration attorney at law. Like who else needed to come? It's a business party or a housewarming party. Oh, you weren't expecting to see like Daniels and Daniels uh, L- <laughs> LLC or something like that? Exactly. I wasn't expecting to see a financier who was like, I'm sorry, I was told to come for a business meeting. What is this? This is what I'm saying. What kind of to revert back to original point where it's like, part of me is like, fucking Andre, like really what an opportunist to use your housewarming to invite mostly Chuck's friends and connections (laughs) to further your own personal agenda. And then the other half of me is like, you know where you go, Andre. Like, <laughs> this man is trying to make it in America. Oh He's trying to God. harvest the American dollar. You know, and also, like, if you think about it, Andre doesn't have family here in America. Andre probably has very few friends because, you know, coming over to a new country as an adult, it's hard to make new connections. So who the fuck is he supposed to invite to this? He's like, you know what? Let me look at... uh. A Chuck's Rolodex. <laughs> Literally, I was thinking he stole a literal Rolodex. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't invite uh, Charlie's future sponsor. He's like, I have. <laughs> it's because he doesn't exist. <laughs> I know. You know what I'm imagining? Like, I'm imagining that he set up this like really funny evite and like sent it out to all these people. And these people receiving this evite, like, what part of them thought, yeah, sure, I'll go. That's a good idea. I really got to talk to Chuck anyway. Well, he probably was like, Chuck is hosting an event. <laughs> and he's really lucky. And I just wish we got a little more time with Chuck because I would have loved to see Chuck enter the party. His reaction being like, this is interesting. A lot of my friends and connections are here. <laughs> what did I just step into? I love that Libby's sisters were like, does he, Libby even know any of these people? Does Andre know any of these people? And it was like, no, no. They're no. here for free apps um, and 90-day drama and to maybe get a few minutes of screen time. And speaking of drama, dude, are you team Charlie is an alcoholic or team this business, this family is just dramatic? I think if this, if Libby's sister's can find common ground with Andre, then I think that there's probably something very powerful uniting them. Like, I don't know, to me, if if 
three, if you're three siblings, because I think it's only four of them, right? So if mm-hmm. three out of the four siblings are saying one person has a problem, a person probably has a problem, you know, and obviously we mm-hmm. don't know Charlie's full life. We don't see him on a daily basis. But what we did see on his show, he did seem to pop off when he was drunk. You know, he seems to not be able to control his temper when drinking. He did have a lot of moments of being drunk and out of control. So I also never heard the mom actually say he doesn't have a drinking problem. She was like, it was just a lot of excuses. So it did sound enabling Mm -hmm. where she was like, well, we are family. Well, you know, he he's doing better or he's going to like get like it wasn't like Mm -hmm. I know he has like if she would have approached this to say I understand why you have distanced yourself from your brother I understand that he has a problem or an addiction that he needs to address but can we please while he works on that can he be invited for a birthday party will you put all that aside for 30 minutes like no she was just kind of like everybody drinks, we all have mm-hmm. problems. And so she was minimizing the problem. So if he does have a drinking problem, the mom does sound kind of like an, an enabler. Absolutely. Because you said like the mom never said Charlie has a problem, but the mom also never said Charlie doesn't have a problem. He's mm-hmm. fine. So like, you're kind of like, well, is she enabling? Is she in denial? Like what's happening? And honestly, when the mom was like in tears, pleading, her kid for her kids to come to the party like all that energy should have been directed at charlie pleading for him to get some help because here's the thing like you said we have all this mounting evidence that charlie has a good time and let's not forget he has been arrested for a dui maybe multiple Mm -hmm. times i can't remember right so there's something there's some kind of unhealthy relationship with alcohol there okay now the thing that i want to know though is like this it's been clear that Charlie has had some kind of anger issue, some just kind of issue with wanting to provoke people. Like what was the straw that finally broke the camel's back for these sisters to be reuniting? And like you said, craziest of all to be siding with Andre. (laughs) Well, I think we saw the, the straw that broke the camel's back and it was that pool party that (laughs) we arrived. Yeah. Where Charlie showed up like two shits to win. Remember, he literally showed up and was like, what's up, bro? Like, he just. Oh, my was, God. With a beer in hand that he brought from home, I think. <laughs> yeah, like immediately antagonizing Andre. Obviously, they got into like this like tumbling fight or whatever. I, You know, all the sisters were involved. Chuck was that bluffing. one big person from the crew. Remember? <laughs> yeah, or just again, another family friend that is just oh, like. Rando, some very large family friend. But yeah, it like I think it pulled a couple of members into the fight. And then he I think he started kind of like attacking the sisters or the dad for not like supporting him. And then the wife was yelling at them. So I think that was just what brought everything to a final point. And obviously we haven't seen if there's been like drama since then. But again, if if all of these people are agreeing. And Chuck didn't say anything. It wasn't like Chuck mm. was like, your mom is right. You know, Charlie's not that bad. No, he was just staying quiet. So I think he, even he is aware. Because I think he, he said that Charlie's not even working in the company anymore. He's not. I wrote that down. Charlie's not part of the family business. So when you said, like, we don't know if there's been drama since. My guess is there has been because he was removed from the family business. And then Libby, like, kind of coyly mentioned that she hadn't gotten together with her sisters and her mom in like six months prior to what we saw filmed. Yeah. So I do think that it sounds from what they're saying, like Charlie has a problem he needs to address. I understand that as a mother, you're going to stick by your child, support them and try to rally the family together. So that makes sense. But you also have to be honest with yourself to be like, I want people to have a bond, but I acknowledge she has a problem. She was trying to be like, well, Andre, you drank every day when we were in Malta. And I'm like, he was there celebrating his wedding. Like he's, because Andre had to be like, yeah, I don't drink every day. <laughs> I also wasn't shit-faced. <laughs> yeah, okay. a mess. Two quick things and let's move on. One, um, so Chuck is a cancer survivor. Did you know that? Because you follow the news. I did not know that, but I love how he just like, sneakily drop that in out of nowhere but I do like 
a cancer survivor being like, I did not survive cancer to deal with this shit, okay? <laughs> a man wants to have a poolside barbecue for with his family. He doesn't survive cancer for this kind of nonsense. Which then leads me to my second point. So did he survive cancer so he can see his youngest daughter aspire to be a famous nursery rhyme singer? I mean, that I did not expect that in my happily ever after bingo card. But yeah, Libby is supposedly an aspiring singer now. I am confused by this. And when she first announced on the show, I was like, you know what? I am going to hold my judgment until I hear her sing. Because who am I? She might have talent. There's plenty mm-hmm. of talented people that for whatever reason, whether it's like means, whatever, they don't have the right time or the right space to pursue that dream. So I'm like, she might be talented. She might have a great voice. We have no idea. I am a little concerned that she was given the opportunity to sing for mm-hmm. a professional singer. And she was like, well, I can't, I don't want like to sing on the spot. And I'm like, really? Not even a little... Uh, mother a little hump titty <laughs> yeah with this old lady I, I think I'm like just naming children's stories or famous I don't even know if they're songs but like Humpty Dumpty can we get something uh, row 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 your boat like what's <laughs> right you can't hit, hit, hit that beat like what's happening <laughs> yeah it was like you could share a little something well they're dedicating a whole room in their house to her studio so she's gonna have to share something at some point otherwise that's a lot of money going down the drain. Well, she did. They did say it was a studio that would eventually turn into a, another child's room if they got pregnant. And Libby is currently pregnant. I think she just posted a gender reveal, which I believe is a little boy. So who knows? Maybe that studio has either moved or is non-existent. How convenient. Um. <laughs> well, let's close this off with the kicker, okay? We we got Jenny and Summit, and my initial thought, like I started with this podcast this episode was like are we still doing this like really like how much more jenny and submit can we get but girl we got a lot we got a whole lot we got a hell of a lot i mean submit got a hell of a lot <laughs> these last two episodes i am gonna give it to him because while you know obviously we've criticized submit many a time oh, yeah. on this show michael jones <laughs> Mike Jones for the lying, the catfishing, the hiding of the wife, the making Jenny wait forever, the not being able to be honest with his parents. I mean, the list goes on. He hired a passport without any plan to get a new one. Like, yeah. Asking Jenny to just fly in and out of the country every few (laughs) weeks so that he could buy himself some time. So, yeah. And the latest kicker, wait, putting Jenny on rollerblades. The woman could get seriously hurt if she falls. Oh, my God. How many times have we said Jenny is going to break a hip? And I watched <laughs> that scene and I was like, Jenny, what the fuck are you doing? You are taking your life, your life into your hands, woman. Out of all the couples, I was like, this is not an opening shot for them. <laughs> but oh my God. you know what? Thank God she didn't break a hip. Um, But her house is in disarray. Her marriage is, I don't know what her marriage is right now. At first, I was like proud of the step that Sumit was taking where he was like, I'm going to tell my parents that we're married. I'm very confused because I feel like there's a couple of mixed messages going on from Jenny. All Mm. of the seasons before, even last season during the tell-all, Jenny was very adamant that he needed to come clean to his family now that they're married. Now she's saying she does, like, why should we even tell them? We've got a new Mm. apartment. We're living a happy life. They're just going to, like, come and ruin stuff. And I guess that's kind of true, but I'm also like, Jenny, that would be a good plan if you're not on a televised show <laughs> where they're just going to find out you're married. So you do got to tell them, girl, because there is a boom <laughs> mic over you, <laughs> a camera crew. But anyways, so I'm just like, I was proud that Sumit was finally like, you know what? I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm mm-hmm. going to tell my parents. But then Jenny's like, well, you didn't invite me to go. So she was pissed that he originally didn't invite her to go to this meeting with his parents. Then she's like mad when she goes that she's not being like included in the conversation that Sumit was supposed to translate while his mom is like berating him and disowning him like a million <sighs> miles a minute. Then when Sumit like runs after his family, he, she's supposed he's supposed to be consoling her. And I'm like, I get it. It's hurtful when your partner's family doesn't accept you 
but how hurtful must it be for your partner to be basically disowned by his family? Like maybe take a beat and ask him how he's doing. Like, what did they say? Are you okay? What happened? I mean, there's a lot. Yes, there's a lot. And I definitely felt for Submit. I, I don't think that while you and I have always been like critical of Submit, we've also been equally critical of Jenny. And I wasn't expecting to be so critical of her this time around, but it got to that point. Um, Although I did think it was funny that like the whole reason why they moved apartments was so that they would be safe in hiding from the parents. And he was like, why don't we just invite them over? (laughs) Well, he invited them to their old apartment. So I'm like, y'all are just keeping a second old apartment just to host your family to, again, keep the charade going. Like, it's a lot. That's right. That's right. And, And also, why is this apartment so fucking dirty like are you living in it all the time but cleaning it never like we've gotten so many shots of the families coming over so we have to bust a sweat to clean this place also if you're gonna do a deep clean which i get it you gotta clean before your guests come why are you doing it hours before they come like you need that energy to go through what you're about to go through because they don't live there they're just literally why is it so dirty (laughs) (laughs) because they're not there so it's just accumulating dust Girl, that was not dust they were sweeping off. It was all kinds of food, crumbs, and clip kitchen, whatever, whatever. All right. The the real juice is, like, the, the parents come over, the brother-in-law, the sister-in-law, they come over. And it didn't take long for us to remember that his mom, Sana, Sana I think that's her name. Her son, Sana is just a bitch deep down inside. Like, she gets yeah, there. She's already she's talking. Hateful. She's hateful. I think she speaks Hindi. She's already speaking in Hindi about how Jenny's gotten fat and like, look at her. She's sweating just from being in the kitchen making chai. And, you know, (laughs) and she's like looking at her daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law. I don't even think really gave Jenny a warm high, but is like laughing at her mother-in-law's dumbass jokes. Yeah, this is where I'm like, you are a lying bitch, pretty much, because... (laughs) I get that you can be mad at this relate. Like again, I don't think any of us, any of us, would be enthused with our child dating someone that's like a lot older than us. It's not your ideal situation. I get it. You're not like doing cartwheels about it. But the last season, we seem like we got a breakthrough when their astrologer, or was it like you know, numerologer, numerologist, like they're like someone mm-hmm. psychic. One of them came over and was like, this is in the stars. This is faded. Sumit will marry Jenny. There's nothing you can do about it. And the parents, well, I don't remember if they officially were like, we give you our blessing to marry her. We're so happy. They never said that. But they did say, you know what? Fine. This is what it's going to be. Jenny, you're a good person. We accept you. Whatever happens if you're together happens. So don't do that and say that to her face. And then when Jenny's trying to welcome you into her home, talk about how flabby her arms are Mm. and how she's sweating from doing something like this is like super bitchy, mean behavior. And I'm also like, ma'am, let's look at your arms. Are you like, (laughs) come on now. Like it was just so mean spirited. And like, if you're going to be such a bitch, at least say it to Jenny so she can understand. So she could say something back to your ass. Right. And it was at this point where I was like, well, Samit understands. So why isn't he defending Jenny? You know, he's just letting yeah. mom and um, sister-in-law or whomever, because honestly, the dad and the brother were like being an audience to the mom letting this happen. Why isn't he defending her? But I guess at, at some point he was finally like, that does it. I am done with you, mom. Like you're being you're full of bullshit. I got married. How about that? And that's when all hell broke loose. Oh, girl. Yeah, I don't think the numerologist saw that one coming. Because I, like I said, Mike Jones has fucked up many times and I'm not a fan. But I felt bad for him in that moment. Because, you know, he's he's following his heart. He's doing what makes him happy. Again, not an ideal partner that you would imagine. But Jenny's not an abusive person from what we see. Jenny's not a bad person. Jenny's not like steering him into some horrible situation. It's just not the ideal person you envision for him. So at some point you just got to accept it. I get that there's like a cultural difference. You know, the mom kept up bringing and the sister-in-law was bringing up the shame that this will bring to the mom and community. Again, I get all that. But like I did feel so bad for for his mom basically 
disowning him there. That was rough. Mm -hmm. It was rough. And honestly, it started off. I mean, it started off not as rough, not as intense, but it was you know, core shaking because the mom's face, her whole body, it just changed. She was so hurt. She was so outraged that she tells him, well, you can never show your face to me again, because if you do, I'll insult you and I'll throw you out of my house. And I'm thinking that how is that a threat? Like, how is that worse or different than what she's already doing to Jenny? Like now it's going to be on him. And then then it got really intense with like, you're fucking dead to us. You have no more family. Don't even come to our funerals. And mind you, she has threatened like her own death to him. And so this idea of like death, you're not allowed when I die, you're not allowed to come around anymore. It's that's fucking intense. I can't imagine saying that to anyone that I love. No, it's like so deep. And like, obviously, I I don't think the dad is in full agreement of like, her extreme language towards him or even Mm -hmm. the brother and the sister. And like, I get, I think they understand where her anger comes from, but they were so quiet that it didn't seem like they were like, "Mm -hmm." like the dad wasn't chiming in to be like, yeah, you're dead to me. Like it was just like, okay, okay, let's go. Like this has gotten really out of control. I would say that I hope that Sumit can repair this relationship, but I don't know. The mom seems like she's going to stick to her guns. I mean, she re- she walked out like I am a mom. OK, so I do I do come from that perspective. I am not Indian, you know, so I don't understand that. But I, I can understand that still, though, it's it's hard for me to imagine me telling my child you're dead to me because you're pursuing your happiness and then walk out of their home expecting that's going to be the last time I see them like I don't have that kind of strength she did for submit it was so hard to see him running out after his mom trying to hug her trying to remind her that that's you know she is his mom he is her son um it was so heartbreaking but then it was so upsetting when he comes back in and Jenny's like upset at him you know you chose your family over me and like why didn't you stop and translate like what was he supposed to do okay mom hold that thought okay Jenny so my mom hold says that, that curse I'm- word <laughs> yeah hold on mom hold on um I'm dead to her we can't come to the funeral and Jenny's like uh-huh, uh-huh. you have flappy arms <laughs> you're sweating like a I would have just been like comedic like office style humor if at some point she turns to the camera and she's like, I'm not sure how it's going, right? Read the room, Jenny. Yeah, Jenny, I don't think you need translation to realize that it's not going well. So maybe you just keep it quiet is probably the best for you. Yeah, again, I sympathize that knowing whether, obviously she didn't know the exact language, but she knew that the anger is because of her. They don't Mm -hmm. like her. So of course that has to be hurtful knowing that, this this family hates you. This woman literally despises you and is going off on her son because of you. I know it must hurt. Of course, she's yeah. allowed to have those feelings. That being said, it's like, why attack Sumit? Can't you just be like, that was tough. Are you okay? Like, that mm-hmm. really hurt. Like, that was intense. I feel really unwelcome. What did she say to you? How are you feeling? Like, it just, I agree with Sumit when he said, I think your anger is displaced at me. Because, yes. you know, like, I think she needs to be angry at the mom and the family and the situation and sometimes Sumit. But I think in this specific lo- situation, other than not checking his mom for like the fucking fat arms comment, everything else, <laughs> I don't think Sumit was in the wrong. <laughs> the fat arms or the sweating, unless he looked over at her and was like, actually, she is sweating for making tea. <laughs> He's like, it is quite hot, though. We are in India, so. Okay, so there was one moment where Jenny's, like, cleaning, you know, profusely, like, sweating. And she goes, I don't, man, you know I don't like to sweat. And I'm like, Jenny, girl, then why'd you move to India? <laughs> like, you really? don't like to sweat. Not a good choice. <laughs> anyway, well, we still haven't gotten any Mima and Michael. But according to the previews, we are going to get a whole lot of them. Um, a whole lot of her. So let's get right into appreciation ring. And while I normally invite you to go first, I'm going to go first because we're on the topic. Oh, it's going to okay. go to Sumit. I'm sorry, girl. Sumit needs a hug right now. I agree with you, Sumit. Definitely needs a hug. This this is something a delicious chai will not fix. This is a big situation. So yes, appreciation ring to him. 
I think I'm going to give my appreciation ring to Libby because it's never too late to pursue your dreams, you know, as silly as they may sound. I don't know what the nursery rhyme um, genre, how well it pays or how big it is, but there's a lot of kids out there. They got to listen to something, you know, like who's singing on those now kids? I guess kids though, right? (laughs) I mean, yeah, kids. Kids, but you know what? So my kids do watch YouTube and I'm looking at these YouTubers and wondering how much they make doing these silly things for kids and they're making money. So maybe she's going to go the YouTube lullaby route. I don't know. I don't know. But it was an interesting choice because when she said she was going to be a singer, I was like, okay, was not expecting the lullaby singer. But see, this is why I give her appreciation. I think this is smarter because I think if she would have said like, yeah, well, if, if she's like Usman being like, I want to be the most famous star in the world and I want to be as big as Michael Jackson or she comes out and be like, I want to be the next Beyonce, we would laugh and laugh and laugh and be like, girl, come on now. But when you find yourself in a little niche kind of space where you're like, well, I just like to sing and I want to sing some lullabies with my little girl, if she's got a decent voice, she's got so good marketing skills she could make it happen. Like you said, there's plenty of people that make tons of money doing a lot less online. Okay. Oh yeah. Wearing a lot less, doing a lot less. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I'm, I'm not hating on her. I am just surprised. I guess I was just surprised, but you know what? Maybe this is Andre. Andre is so business oriented. He's like, (laughs) I got it, babe. This is what you're going to (laughs) do. Well, I think what he would, Libby said is that he is allowing her to pursue this dream and the sisters were like allowing you you don't need, you didn't need your permission but to that I also have to say like I think maybe allowing or whatever was not the right word but when you are in a partnership I'm sorry if my mm. husband was like I'm gonna quit or my boyfriend was like I'm gonna quit my job and I'm gonna dedicate myself to singing uh nautical themes online I'd be like hold on we got bills to pay. We need to have a conversation. So, yeah, it actually is a couple conversations. It's not just a it you is. decision. It is. I, I get it. Like, the, the verbiage was off. But, yes, it was a matter of Andre has agreed that it is fine for me to pursue my dream. Is she – but she's still working for – Chuck. you know what? We're on a tangent. Yeah. Uh, Appreciation. Let's close it off. <laughs> Appreciation rings. Confusion later. Um, thank you all for tuning in another week. Be sure to give us five stars on the podcast app and a glowing review. Glowing words. Think anything that is the opposite of whatever Sumit's mom said. Follow me on Instagram, aboard a bitchy. That's bored, letter and bitchy. And we will be back next week. Bye. Bye bye. Both and bitchy. Bitch. Oh. Bitchy. Bitchy. Sorry. <laughs> bored and bitchy.